Welcome to Phone Messages, episode 156. Was it real? My name is Paul Mason Foch. This week, I play message number 10 from Sakai Tang. And it is likely from April 1st, 1990, the same day as last week's message. As in the case of that message from James Warden, Sakai is responding to a practical joke where I told callers that my house had been broken into and my cats were missing. The sincere concern found in Sakai's voice reminds me of why I dislike this old prankster part of my personality. The message is 1 minute and 35 seconds long. Here we go. Hi, Paul. This is Sakai calling from New York. I don't know where your cats are. I'm sorry. If I see one on the street, I'll ask the cat if it, if it used to live with you. But listen, cheer up. It's not the end of the world. You can find another cat, I'm sure. And who, who, who wants to live with cats anyway? Maybe you do. But listen, who is it to say? Maybe the cat found a nicer home, right? Maybe some really nice woman or man, you know, took it inside and fed them really nicely. So everything that happened has has this reason to happen, okay? So um, I hope everything, I mean, was it real? Did you really lose everything? Oh my God. Life is going out of control. My life is going out of control too. But who cares? Maybe we shouldn't just try to control it so much. Anyway, I know you don't. But Paul, cheer up. The worst things that could happen. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe you get a girlfriend. Ah! That would be really bad, no. <laughs> Oh my God. Okay, listen, you take care of yourself and I'll speak to you soon. Bye. I'm just trying to figure out what was your outgoing message. The other thing is, at some point you say, is this real? So you kind of think I might be joking. Right, but then I didn't want to interrupt your misery in case it is real, so I quickly sympathize. Do you remember me as a practical joker? No. Maybe I just didn't know you very well. The other thing is you say your life is going out of control. I was working for my dad then, I think. I was feeling very trapped. I remember you started as an intern for Spike Lee. Do you remember how that came about? Yeah, it was sort of during this period of time that I was working at my dad's restaurant, managing it, and the restaurant was on 4th Street, so I would go around to uh, the magazine stores. So I went in there one day, and I saw this guy wearing a more better blues shirt, and I'd been, like, thinking about Spike Lee and Do the Right Thing, and I thought it was such a paradigm shift. So... 
when I saw him with the Morbetta Bruchus, I just went up to him and I said, hey, did you work on that? And he was with a young lady and the young lady said, no, but I did. And I said, oh my God, I really wanted to work with him. And she goes, Okay, I can give you the number. I could give you the information. So I called that number and somebody told me to go to the orientation. I went to the orientation in Brooklyn. So I became an intern. Do you remember your first day? Yeah, I worked first in the location department. It was quite difficult for me. I would close the restaurant at around midnight and then the call time, it's at 6 a.m. and it's usually uptown and um, I think my first task was to sweep the sidewalk and I think they were impressive like how serious I was at my job you know coming from a restaurant it's like doing cleaning work is so easy and then very quickly I was asked to be in the props department and that was more organizing and more cleaning I made a lot of mistakes like picking up things that I shouldn't pick up I think there was one time I saw a cable like lying around and I was going to fix it. And somebody was like, no, 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 don't, don't. That's a different department. That's different from working in a restaurant, right? Because in the restaurant, don't waste a trip walking back and forth. Was that the last job you, you worked in the prop department? No. So when I was working on the props department, the still photographer, Spike Lee's brother, David Lee, was sharing the same truck and um, he was very nice. He found out that I study photography and so somehow I then I became his intern and Kevin was okay with it. Kevin is the property master, Kevin Latson. Kevin was so nice to me, he actually put me in the film in uh, Jungle Fever. There was a scene in Little Italy. The couple was walking through San Gennaro's fair and Kevin put me in the in the shot where I was making cotton candy. Yeah, if you freeze it, the walk that you were seeing, I was wearing a green jacket. What did you do in the, is it called the stills? Yeah, the stills department. Every day I would clean his lenses and his camera and load his camera. And then he would go into that to shoot. Usually I, I'm not allowed in. And then when he comes back, he would give me the film and I would drop it off. And uh, there was one time that David couldn't make it. And so I, I was like right there in front of Spike and I said, I can do it. And he said, okay. Spike was so generous, you know. How long was the shoot? The shoot was, I want to say two months. Maybe it's only one month. The difficult thing was to juggle the restaurant and the internship. I mean, a couple of times I've, I've gone back and my dad was furious at me, you know. He could have fired me, but the problem is that he relied on me so much, it was difficult for him to find anyone that he could trust. I should have helped him to figure that out. After this interview, I immediately rewatched Jungle Fever. And sure enough, at 53 minutes and 58 seconds... I found Sakae standing in the very center of the frame, spinning cotton candy. She has a huge smile on her face, which seems out of place in New York, where street vendors display a hardened visage. 
but she definitely appears to be having fun. On the other hand, considering it was filmed at night, her father was probably wondering why she was not around to close the restaurant. So she likely received a lot of grief the next day. The scene is shot at the San Gennaro Festival, which has taken place on Mulberry Street since 1926, and commemorates the patron saint of Naples, whose feast day is September 19th. Jungle Fever was hardly the first film to use San Gennaro as a backdrop. Notably, in Godfather Part II, a young Vito Corleone, played by Robert De Niro, climbs the rooftops of Little Italy amid the festival to stalk and kill the gangster Don Finucci. And in 1973's Mean Streets, De Niro also climbed the rooftops of Little Italy during the festival, this time as Johnny Boy, recklessly firing a gun in the air because he says he wants to shoot out the lights on the Empire State Building. If you want to climb the rooftops of this podcast, prowl on over to my website, pfoch.com. That's P-F-O-T-S-C-H dot com. Many thanks to Sakai for her montage of memories. And thank you for listening. Talk to you next week.